As we continue on our journey of what the real church is all about, today we're going to take a look at our responsibility in outreach, being diligent in reaching out so that others are able to experience this good news. One of the wonderful things about being a granddad is seeing the excitement of one of my grandchildren as they come in excitedly in to to show me something that they've made or something that's happened in their life and the joy and the exuberance with which they bring that forward. They're excited to be able to share that experience with me because it's so they're so passionate about it. I love that passion and I love that they're so eager to share those experiences, to show off this new thing. And I want to suggest that that ought to be the same kind of passion and eagerness that we have when we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be excited about this message of hope that we have. It's the best news ever. The good news that we have friends and family and community that we can share this with. That should be something that we're overexcited about wanting to be able to share. Now, the phrase good news is literally the same word that's translated as gospel. It's the, it's the same word, good news, gospel. And that comes from the Greek word euangelion. And they all mean the same thing. The New Testament authors use this term to describe the good news of salvation, the good news of what Jesus has done, liberation from sin. That's how it's described. That's what it's used for. God revealed to us this good news through Jesus' ministry, his trial, his death, and his subsequent resurrection. It's the word, euangelion, is the word that we get our word evangelism from. And that's exactly what it means, to go out to tell others about the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So so when we're active in outreach, that we are doing what is supposed to be done, that we're being active in telling others about the good news, about the way in which Jesus has given us freedom from the sin and from the bondage of this world. The the things that Jesus has done in setting us free through his death and resurrection on the cross. It means that we can literally have freedom from sin and reconciliation with God, that we are made right with him. That's what reconciliation means, that we have been made right completely. In other words, the real church has a very significant responsibility to tell others of the hope and the the freedom that Christ offers and so that those sorts of things that cannot be offered or found anywhere else in this world. There is no other thing in our society that can set us free from the bondage of sin, not even close. That we can have an assurance, absolutely sure, that when we have received Christ into our heart, that we can receive the promised gift of eternal life. That is great news. That's not just good news. It's wonderful news. It's great news. 
and we don't have to be burdened by the worries of this world. Wouldn't you like to have to come to that point where you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear? Matthew 6 talks about those sorts of things. We don't need to be worried about asteroids that are going to hit the earth at some point into our future or come near to us at some point into the future. We don't need to be worried about the core of the earth that seems to be shifting, the fact that our, our poles are, are moving. These are things that are in our news right at the moment. We don't have to worry about how long this world is going to last and, and saving our planet as such. Whether it's going to, there's going to be water on Mars in case we need to evacuate Earth so we can make a new place happening in, on that, another planet somewhere. Or how hot the sun is getting. Every summer it seems to be getting hotter and hotter. This, the world is creating panic over these sorts of things. And yet the scriptures tell us that our creator God, he is in control. Those things from a world perspective are consuming time. They're consuming money and other resources by the bucket load. And we're not using them in our society in the way that would benefit mankind. We still have a large number of people who suffer through famine who aren't able to get medical help that they need. And they don't, we don't have the resources to do it. And yet we find the bucket load of resources to be able to do all these other things that really we can be free from. We don't need to be concerned about. Because when Jesus comes into our life, it's... It's not that those things disappear and it's not that those things may not be real. But our, our priorities change because we realise that he is in control. That God is the creator of all things. He was here in the beginning. He's here now and he will be here forever. That there is nothing outside of his control. That God is in control, even though it, it feels like, seems like, and we're told that other things are happening. And the world is panicking because we have no hope in that situation. All hope is gone if, if there's an asteroid coming to hit our world or some virus inundates us. We have no hope. And so we panic. And yet we are told that as, as, as Christ followers, the real church, we don't need to be concerned about the things like that because God will give us everything that we need. After all, he's the one that calmed stormy seas. Read about it in, in the Gospels. He's the one who, who made a pathway through, of dry ground through the Red Sea and the Jordan River and allowed thousands, if not millions, of people to walk through. He's the one who, who stopped the sun and the moon in place so that Gideon could win a battle. He's the one who raised dead people back to life. Lazarus was even dead for four days. He's the one that controls everything. And when we really get to know who God is and what he's done and that he is faithful and that he's trustworthy 
And there, are, there is a tremendous amount of peace that comes with that assurance. When we accept Jesus into our heart, we can have that tremendous amount of peace and live in a world that is not so peaceful. Despite what our world is like, we can have peace and we can live in joy. Isn't that good news? Why wouldn't we want to tell every single person about that? Why are we so selfish in holding that in at times and saying, you know what, that's their problem? And just like my grandchildren who are excited about sharing their day or their little thing that they've made, we really ought to be excited about this life that Christ has given to us, the freedom, the peace, the joy, the, uh, the power and authority that comes in Jesus' name to be able to live in this, this world despite what it appears to be on the surface. Unless, of course, we've never experienced that. We've never experienced Jesus Christ and the freedom that he can give us. That's why I believe that being diligent in outreach really is the experience that all of us should be part of. That we can experience the joy and the comfort and the peace of knowing what this life is all about despite what's on the surface, what's evident. The Apostle Paul put it like this in Romans chapter 10. He says, How then can they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they're sent? Jesus put it this same way or, or a different little way, but Jesus put it like this. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teach these new disciples to obey all of the commandments I have given you. And be sure of this, he says, I will be with you always, forever, until the end of the age. This isn't just a good suggestion. These are directives that we, as Christ followers, are called to obey. We who have the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the evangelion of, of life. It's not just for the educated. It's not just for the, the paid pastor or the elders or the leaders or the board members or the trained up people. It's not just for those people. This is the responsibility of the ecclesia, the church. All who love the Lord Jesus Christ, all who proclaim Jesus Christ as their Lord. And why would we not want to tell others about this good news that we've experienced for ourselves? So where do we start? Well, Jesus was preaching one day out on the mountains, out in the fields to the crowd when he made this statement in Matthew chapter 5. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavour, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. 
nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. What was Jesus implying? He was simply saying that the way that we live ought to be reflecting the light of Jesus. It ought to be reflective of what Jesus is all about. Our lifestyle ought to be outreach focused or outreach oriented. The, the simplest and best way of sharing this good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, is in the way that we live our own lives. It really is. It's that simple. If God has come into our life, if we've received Jesus Christ into our life, we should expect that our lives will be changed and our lifestyle will be an example to those that we run around with, that we talk with, that we share with. We won't do the things we used to do. Jesus went on to say that we ought to be light. In Matthew 5.16, he says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your God in heaven. That's outreach right there in its simplest form. Right there. The problem is, though, that many Christ followers, that many Christians are not living as light or salt in our world. Our, their, their life is so similar to what the world is like that it's very difficult to discern between what the church is like, the Christ follower is like, and what the rest of the world is like. Our, our lights are, are shining so dimly in this world because we're so caught up in this world, or they're not even shining at all. So there is a problem. Rather than seeing the good works of, of Christ followers, what people are seeing is just stuff that people are doing. They, they're seeing a determination to work hard, to earn more, to work better, to have more, to accumulate more. All the same things that every other person in this world seems to be searching after at the same time. Which leads me to this first point. And that is that God should always get the glory. God should always get the glory. If the church, the people, are taking the glory for themselves then what we're going to find is that then we're not going to be the church that Jesus said he was going to be building. The real church is ensuring that God always gets the glory, the honour and the praise. It's not that we can't accept praise for things that we've done, but we do it in a way that brings glory and redirected back to our Heavenly Father. We must ensure that others understand that it's God, that it's God's desire, it's God's way, it's God's purpose, and it's God who deserves our highest praise. How can we let our light shine? Well, Colossians tells us how to do it. Paul tells us, he says, live wisely among those who are not believers. This is shining our light. And make the most of every opportunity let your conversations be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response 
for everyone. Most of us would agree that we, we really do need to share the gospel or share the good news more. Most of us would agree with that. And we, sh we really mostly would agree that we should be speaking about the good news and the hope that Christ has given to us and his influence in our own life. That should be something we, we want to do. Most of us think we should. But the number one reason why we don't do that is because we're afraid that we, there's probably two things here, that we won't have the right answer. If someone asks us a difficult question, we're going to look like a fool and not being able to answer that question. Or secondly, we're afraid that we're going to be rejected for what we believe. And those two things hinder us from being active or diligent in reaching out to those who we value and love the most. Seems a bit crazy, doesn't it? Because those that we, we love and value probably know us better than we think they do. So rather than just having this conversation with our friends and colleagues, because of those hindrances, because of those questions in our mind, we don't. We hold back. We, we, we just don't talk about those things because we would rather be friends with them and stay on a good plane with them rather than speaking about something that might create a gulf between them and us. So today, I want this to be a very practical message. I'm going to give you some practical things that you can have in your outreach toolbox that you can have so that when you are with those people that you love and you cherish so much, that you are able to dig into that toolbox and, and pull out things that you know are going to be valuable tools to be able to help you through this process, to help with your work colleagues and your, your family and your friends and, and all of those people that you're going to run in, into from time to time. Perhaps one of the key verses in all of this are some of Paul's last words before he was taken from this earth, but it's in 2 Timothy. He was talking to Timothy. He says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love and self-discipline. So never be ashamed, he tells Timothy, to tell others about the Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. Never be ashamed of the gospel, which leads me to the second point, and that is that God will always provide for us. He'll always give us the things that we need in order to do the work that he's called us to do. Even though we know the good news, even though we understand what we're supposed to do, it can be difficult to know what we should say. How do we start? How do we bring this conversation around to a spiritual conversation? How do we have these conversations with the people. After all, not everyone that we, we talk to is going to be really receptive to these conversations. So we tend to put it off or we put it off to a better time when it's a little bit more e or easier to, to be able to share, but it, it rarely happens. It may be that this moment in time is the only time that you're ever going to get. And in the meantime, our friends never get to hear the wonderful message that can literally change their lives for the better. 
They never get to experience the freedom in Christ, the joy in the peace that you are experiencing or should be experiencing. Being the real church means that we will begin to take on the responsibility of sharing our faith, both in in word and in action, so that we'll be able to have the right things to say, but our life will back it up in the way that we live so that we can have the opportunity, the best opportunity of responding to everybody, responding and sharing to the gospel that God puts, has put into our hearts, the good news message. And one of the scariest things about sharing our faith is, is, somewhat, is where to start. What do we do? How do we get going? And that's what equipping is really all about. That's why we need to be equipped. Go, Jesus said, into the world and make disciples. Teach them all the things that you know so that they are able to do the same things. That's equipping. That's what equipping's all about. And we need to remember that there is nothing that God cannot and will not do for us so that we're able to diligently share the message of hope that he has put into our heart. God will always provide for us. He will always provide for us. Matthew says this in Matthew 10, 19. And, well, actually Jesus says in Matthew, Matthew writes it about, and he tells us not to worry about how you should speak or what you should say, for it will be given to you in that hour when you speak. For it's not you who speaks, but it's the spirit of your father who will speak in you. While we have the responsibility to speak up, Jesus has just made the statement that he will provide the words that come out. That's good news. That's great news. We don't even have to concern ourselves about that. We we need to know it. We need to be equipped. But going into a, a really scary situation where we're not sure about what to talk about Jesus just says the Holy Spirit is going to guide you. Don't worry about how you answer people who criticise you. We need to take the step of faith and put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, even in the scary situations. He will do everything or provide everything that we need. He always provides for us. It will, it's necessary for us to take this step of faith even more than what we may feel able to do. And number three, we, we have a responsibility as well. God has, will do his part. He gets the glory. He'll provide for us. But we have the responsibility as well. It's not just sit back and wait for all this to happen. And while God says he will provide for us, we have a responsibility to do our part in all of this. Equipping is one of them, and God will do his part, but so often the fears that come into us when we're told or we realise that we need to go and share our story, our testimony, the, the good news that is, that is in us, fear arises. It, it comes up. And we feel like we're going to just be locked up in our mouth. Our brain is going to go dead. 
We're going to be standing in front of somebody going and not really knowing what to say and be embarrassed, ashamed, afraid. If we are serious about being a true disciple of Jesus in the, in the real church that we're talking about, we need to recognise that we need to begin firstly to pray. Prayer is the obvious start. That might sound obvious, but I want to challenge you as the real church to pray regularly for your family, for your church family, for your neighbours, for those who don't yet know the Lord Jesus Christ, to have a heart that's responsive to the gospel, to pray specifically for the people to receive Christ into their life. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 9, he says, the harvest truly is plentiful. He wasn't talking about wheat necessarily. He was talking about the people, but the, the workers are few. There is a great harvest of people who need to hear this message. But the workers are few. Begin to pray. Make it a priority of your prayer time for people to go and be willing to be the answer to your own prayer. Be willing for that person to be you, whatever the cost. Pray for the workers because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Maybe you need to begin a prayer list. That's okay. Begin a prayer list. Get a, a notebook or something like that and and begin to put down the names of the people that you want to commit to prayer. So you can set them out differently. Some put them on different days of the week. Some put them in different groupings. Or you can do a combination. I don't care. It doesn't really matter how you do it. But have a prayer list that you can pray through diligently. Keep it up to date. Find out how people are going. Have the opportunity to share with them. Write down the names of, of up to three people who you believe need to hear the Lord Jesus Christ's message of salvation, the good news. You can, you've probably got many more than three, but three is going to probably be the limit to how many you could actually share this with and, and actually work with. It might only be one, but one is a good starting point. Share with that one. Write their names down. Make sure that the people that you put on your list are people that you actually can have contact with. Don't put someone down in another part of the world or another side of the country where you catch up every three or four years. It, it, I'm talking about someone that you can have the opportunity of meeting it for a cup of coffee or catching up down the street somewhere when we're allowed to. I'm talking about someone that you have specific ability to have Communi communication with at that level. People that are easy to meet with or you can meet with easily over a cup, cuppa or something. It's not that you won't have others on your prayer list or prayer needs. It, you will. We all do. But I'm talking specifically, ask the Lord to show you how you can be an effective witness of Christ to share this good news, this euangelion in the people that you are able to meet with on a regular basis. Then focus needs to be on those people. Read your Bible. 
That's another one of these toolbox habits. Read your Bible. Make it a habit. If you're not already reading your Bible, start now. If you're not in the habit of of pulling it out each morning or each evening or sometime during the day, make it a habit. Decide today that you're going to start somewhere and begin to read through. And as you do that, Jesus Christ will begin to reveal himself, his character, his ways, his purposes, just for you. You'll see it jump off the pages at you at times. Sometimes you can even come back six months later, 12 months later, maybe even a few days later, and read the same passage and see something completely different, what God is showing you. He will do that. The Holy Spirit will do that. Words will pop out for you. And the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to you. He can't do that unless we're in the word. He can't do that unless we're experiencing his word in our life. And as you read your scriptures, take the time to memorize the scriptures. We'll talk about that in a minute. You don't have to read lots. You don't have to have great long passages of scripture every day. But spend quality time in the scriptures. Meditate on it. Pray about what you're reading. Bring it before the Lord. And even if you don't understand, tell him, I don't understand. Show me something. And you will find that as you go through your day, that God will show you. Sometimes it's going to be a conversation you have with someone. Maybe it's simply a question going to ask somebody specifically. God's been showing me this, but I don't understand. Can you help me? And as part of the process of reading through the scriptures, you may need to take out another book, a journal, and start writing down your thoughts about what God is showing you and revealing to you. And it's good to do that. Some of you are going to find that really easy. Some are not going to. But it's kind of cool to look back over the years and and look back and see how God has shown you things, how you've grown in your understanding through the reading of his word. Mark your Bibles. Make any notes or insights that God has revealed to you in the process of reading through his word. Apply them to your life immediately. Don't wait to see if it's actually true. The word of God is true. We don't need to question that. Apply those principles. Apply those insights into your life. Talk with people about that. Share with like-minded people just so that we can be sure that we're actually reading it correctly and understanding what God wants us to to show us. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for to teaching us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our life. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. All scripture is useful. Maybe another tool could be knowing your testimony. It's not maybe. Yes, it is. Know your testimony. If you've received Jesus Christ into your life, you have a story to tell. There's no question about that. Your story is one of the most powerful tools that you have in this tool belt belt of evangelism. It's your story. There is no way really that anyone can argue that it didn't happen to you, the changes that have taken place. People ought to be able to see 
the changes that have taken place and relate to that and say, you know what, that's happened. I see Ron is different now to the way that he used to be. You insert your own name. And I want what they've got. We share our testimony, know our testimony, be able to share it in a couple of minutes if necessary. Maybe you've got only a short period of time at a checkout or, or down the street somewhere. Other times you're going to have a longer time. You're going to have a sit down over a coffee. You'll be able to give the story in detail. Know your testimony. Be willing to share your testimony. If Jesus has made a difference in your life, if he has come into you, your testimony is the way of showing what he has done. It's showing others what Jesus can do for them. If he's changed your life, he, he is more than willing to change their life. He's not willing that any should perish, the scriptures do tell us. When Jesus Christ comes into our life, we need to expect change. It has to happen. We can't be travelling down the road one direction, decide and change our mind, go back the other way and still be going in the same direction and doing the same things. The scenery will be different. And it should be the same with our Christian walk. When we are before Christ, we are walking away from him. When we repent, when we confess, when we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, we do this U-turn. We repent and we turn back to Christ the scenery changes. We see things from a different perspective. We, we see things from a different light. Life changes. Our life changes because now our eyes are fixed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the one of hope, the one of life, eternal life, the one of joy, the one of peace. And he directs our path. Our life makes this major U-turn. Otherwise, why would we ever want to follow Jesus if we were heading in the right direction in the first place? If we are serious about being the real church, the church that Jesus said he was going to be building, we need to be prepared to share our testimony. Write it out. Practice it. It's your story. If you're struggling to do this, then I, can I ask you just to ask for help? But be ready, nevertheless. If you need help, ask for it. But be willing to do that. 2 Timothy 4 says, be prepared in season and out of season. That's why we need to have it already prepared, equipped to do the good works. We know the importance of a worker having the right tools so that we can get the work done. We need sharp chisels if you're a builder, right computer programs for IT stuff. You need the right machinery, right diagnostic stuff, right things to do the work that you're called to do. We all have, need that. So what are some of these tools of evangelism? I want to share just two really easy ones for you. Something practical, as I said earlier, practical that you can do. You can pull out of your tool belt and just go straight into it. We've already talked about your testimony and all those sorts of things. And I mentioned this before, but the first thing that you should be ready to do is memorise some scripture. You can do this as you read through your Bible every day. Highlight a verse that comes up. 
there are some critical ones that I think are really important for sharing your faith. I'm going to share them, some of them with you. There's a lot of them, more than what I've got to share with you today. So as you read your scriptures, Jesus will, the Holy Spirit will show you some of these verses that you're able to share with your friends, but underline them, rewrite them out in your journal, practice it, memorize it over, or repeat it over and over a day during the day so that you can memorize what's being said. Put it up on a, on a card in front of the mirror because... Most of you spend too much time there anyway, right? Read, put it where you're going to read it, on the refrigerator, anywhere that you want to see it. Whatever you do, memorise some key scriptures. And some of them, let's go through them pretty quick. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the starting point, recognising we all have sinned. Romans 6.23, that the wages of sin is death, but... The gift of life is eternal. Life, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. He's given us a free gift. Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his love for us. In this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Three key verses in understanding that there is a need and that God has made a response 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sin, this is the our part now. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us. He will do his part and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John 10 10 says that I have come, that you might have life, and that you might have it abundantly. Abundant life comes through Jesus Christ. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. These are our key verses, but there's a bunch more that you can read through and you'll find as you're reading through the scriptures that point us to the pathway of life in Christ, necessary for salvation. You might not use them all, all the time, but you will find that they all come in handy. You might refer to them sometimes and not others, but it's good to have them. The core of what we believe and why we believe, it will help us develop a plan of salvation that we're able to share when we share our testimony. Our story is not, won't just be a story of what we did, but an invitation to what others can do as well in the process. Something that you can use if it's committed to memory, you can use it anytime, anywhere. No one can take that away from you. Even if they take away the word of God from us, what is committed to memory is really important because they can never do that. The second tool that is easy for us to have in our toolbox and ready for outreach is what we would know as the bridge diagram. And the bridge diagram is, is what gives us a little visual on a piece of paper, a, a napkin in a restaurant or a scrap piece of paper that you might have in your pocket. But it, it displays or it shows us the, in a visual way the salvation process that is available to each of us. And it can be a really valuable tool for us, to, for anyone, anywhere, at any time. So what does it look like? Before I go any further, let me explain something. This simple tool can help others to grow. And it will help others to grow. It shows us God's love. It shows us man's 
problem. It shows us God's remedy and it shows us man's response. It's a, a shared responsibility between what God does and what we need to do. So it, I want to start with that. So it starts with what does God's love look like? It tells us in scriptures that we were created in his image, that we were designed to have an intimate love relationship with God. And right in the beginning, that was the case. And we did. Adam and Eve enjoyed a love relationship with God that was real and personal, the Bible tells us. They enjoyed fellowship one-on-one where he would meet with them and that he would share with them in the cool of the day. But what happened? What did man do? Man disobeyed God and decided to do his own thing. This broke the relationship between God and us. And sin entered into this world from that generation onward. All of us are now born with this sin nature. There was now a separation between God and man. The love relationship had broken. It wasn't ever the way that God intended it to be. The consequences of that was the scriptures explain that that there is a consequence in Romans 3.23, all have sinned, all fall short of what God's glory is. Romans 6.23, these, if you remember, are the memory verses we talked about just before. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hebrews 9 Verse 27 says, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. There was dire consequences right there. What did God do? God's remedy? He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for our sin. Romans 6 says the wages of sin is death, but Jesus paid the price and gave us a free gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Romans 5.8 said, But God demonstrates his own love for for us in this, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. John 10.10 tells us the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I've come, said Jesus, that they might have life and have it to the full. He wants us to experience eternal life. But we need to respond. And our response, this is a free gift that has been given to us, offered by God that we really do need to respond to. The scriptures tell us, that we need to listen to his word and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and he will be a- we will then be able to experience the f- life to the full the way that we were expected to and wanted and God wanted to. John 3:16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 5:24 Very truly I say to you whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. If you have never received Jesus Christ into your heart at all, can I challenge you to think through this process, to think through that little diagram today? God wants to restore the broken relationship that that we caused by disobedience to him. 
that gulf that was formed between us and God was because of our disobedience to God. He wants to restore the love relationship that we once enjoyed one-on-one. He loves you and he wants what's best for you. So why not ask how you might be able to receive Jesus today? The gift has been made. The only thing that is left to do is to accept that gift. It's no good leaving the gift waiting to be opened. Take it, receive it and use it today. If you have already done that, if you've already experienced Jesus in your life, then why not commit to memory some of those scripture verses? Why not commit to memory your personal testimony so that you are not caught unaware, that you are able to share the love of Jesus Christ? Why not commit to memory that little bridge diagram that's just been drawn? Practice it on your friends. Use it as a tool, as a way of reaching people and their heart for ministry. Being part of the real church is really quite exciting. And it's challenging at the same time, but it means that you are part of a family who are like-minded, who love the Lord Jesus Christ, who can encourage you, who can disciple you, who can help us step by step, day by day sometimes it, it turns out to be to have our faith or increase our faith in God. It can be a little scary at times. It can be a little daunting at times to share with your friends. We're not sure how they're going to respond. And after all, most of us want to be accepted, especially by our friends. But I want to challenge you today that you would accept the gift of free life in a way that you want to reach out with that with other people. And while people might not always respond, our part is not to change people's heart. That's God's part. Our part is to share the good news, share the testimony. God will soften the hearts. God will bring about change. But we need to be obedient to what the word of God tells us that we are to do. Jesus said in John 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and we need to remember that it's him that we serve and him alone. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness, your love, and your mercy. And as we've shared today about what it means to be active and diligent in our outreach, I pray that we would be mindful of the commission that you have given to each of us, that we go and we share and we experience love and life to the full, that we understand not just a concept, but we understand the ramifications of trusting you and for not trusting you, that there are consequences for us if we don't accept this free gift. And I pray, Father, that we would have a, ha- a passion and a heart for those that we love, our family, our friends, our work colleagues. Father, give us the words to say, the opportunity before us this week as we share your glory and your honour. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.